the natural world is changing, and we are totally dependent on that world. It provides our food, water, and air. It is the most precious thing we have, and we need to defend it. It has given us such splendor and diversity and all the vibrant rhythms by which we orchestrate our lives. And it also gave us Carvey and Benjamin. So, you know, sometimes it makes mistakes too. Anyway, uh, do try and enjoy the show. <laughs> you, should name, you should name coffee after you. Coffee, coffee. Coffee, coffee. The two things that I always get when I introduce myself to people is, sorry, did you say coffee? Or, or when they mispronounce my name, instead of saying coffee, they say covey. They're like, oh, like COVID. I'm like, yeah, no. I'd rather have the coffee. I'd rather have the coffee as well. <laughs> Just FYI, I think we started recording. Did we start recording? Did we start recording? Yes, we did. Just FYI, everyone who's just heard that little bit, Kavi started the Kavi Coffee thing. Not me trying to make fun of him for the you know the similar sounds, but I will now. <laughs> it was only because Benjamin was saying, I'm coughing. And to me, that almost sounded like I'm Kavi. And so I had to remind him that he's Benjamin and I'm Kavi and he's coughing, but I'm Kavi. I think, and this is just my personal opinion, all jokes are much, much better when they're fully explained. I think so as well. <laughs> yeah. And the reason. Coffee, coffee? Actually... Not enough. Benjamin's coughing, and my name's Coffee, and he said I'm coughing, and I said, no, I'm coughing. Yeah, that's way better. <laughs> just picturing that, that Simpsons meme of McBain doing stand up saying, that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> but this is good content. Um, <laughs> well, it's content. It is. It is content. Yeah, it, it is content. Yeah, <laughs> you know, listeners at home can decide if it's good content. And if you don't think it's good content, keep it to yourself. But if you think it's good, <laughs> tell your friends. Tell everyone if you think everyone. it's good. Yes. Uh, so, for those of you who weren't sure, <laughs> <laughs> this is Science Actually presents the Nerd and the Scientist. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome, dear listeners. Welcome to all of our guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Thank you for joining us for another yes. exploration of what space topics do Benjamin and Covey find vaguely interesting this week. This week, roids. Roids. I know. <laughs> roids, they're swollen. They're thick. We and had a probe come back from giving a good boop to asteroid Bennu the other, what, a week ago? And yes. so we're now we're talking about asteroids today, everybody, and not the Atari video game, which was a fantastic game. Which I realized as we were about to record, I'm like, oh, cool, I'm wearing my Asteroids t-shirt. And I realized, no, it's the other Atari video game. That's Galaga. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, that was very exciting to see um, after like, what was it, two and a half years of the OSIRIS-REx mission orbiting around asteroid Bennu, um, mm -hmm. getting that sample returned back here. And it is a massive sample. Um, it is. It is. Yeah. It's uh, got uh, actual rocky debris and lots of dust lots of soot and all of it is from the 
beginnings of the solar system. Yeah, I don't think people have a good intuition for for why why we get so excited about asteroids. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a space rock. Like, bro, who cares? But when you realize that asteroids are the leftover bits from uh, planet mm -hmm. formation in you know the early part of the solar system you're talking about sampling something that's four and a half billion with a b billion years old right it's insanely old <laughs> well it's benjamin pointing at himself as he it's insanely old <laughs> no no i was pointing at myself when he said it's billions with a b i'm b benjamin i'm not billions oh. of years old parts of me on an atomic level might be but that's about it <laughs> you are star stuff which means hey you, you sounded like a sagan i know insanely <laughs> old <laughs> <laughs> but yes asteroids are these untouched leftover bits of the the accretion disk that eventually forms the planets around our sun and they've been sitting out there untouched you know other than smacking into each other once in a while but uh, untouched by anything else, no, you know, uh, no tidal waves have been crashing over them, or no rocks forming or rubbing against them, no uh, tectonic plates moving them, or they haven't been cycled through the core of a planet as you know things have been moving and undulating over billions of years. They've just been sitting there, and it's Patiently really, really waiting. exciting. And oh, oh, and scientists have got the sample back and the only article i can find about what's inside of it so far is a scientist gasp when they opened it that's it that's the only thing i saw I'm like great what was in it nothing yet we'll find out I, l I love the idea that scientists are now writing papers um with kind of like arcs like hbo series where it's like find out next time on our next paper about the osiris rex mission well, you gotta milk this stuff. You gotta keep the. They gotta keep the public interested. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because the public are the ones reading our papers, obviously. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's super interesting. Um, you know, studying these asteroids gives us insights into what elements were flying around during the formation of our solar system, because you know the stars form from as we've discussed in previous episodes, collapsing clouds of. Uh, of gases and then when those gases have other heavier elements mixed into them the disc that you know is of stuff pulled together that forms the star whatever's left over of those heavier elements forms a protoplanetary disc it's like the pre-planet disc and then whatever's left over from that of you know the stuff that couldn't quite uh get its stuff together to to form a planet um ends up in these in these you know rocky asteroids um, and I think another thing that's really potentially interesting is the implications for exo, um, or for, I should say, astrobiology, um, because you can look for organic compounds on these asteroids when we're sampling them. So we can not only sample, um, you know, the chemical composition of our early solar system, but look to see if we can find organic material similar to that which we find on Earth. Like what? Give me some samples, examples, 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 examples. examples. I, I, what, what I'm talking about is, is, you know, the sort of compounds that we associate with life, right? So, so we're talking about like 
very basic proteins. Um, and and these these compounds, and I don't want to go too deep into the detail because you know I'm not a biologist and I'm not a chemist and I don't want to pretend to be, but I think that the fundamental question behind it, which we can all probably relate to and say, whoa, that's interesting, dude, uh, hopefully, is this idea that like, you know, a big part of astrobiology um, is, or, or most of astrobiology is looking for life outside of Earth. And you kind of come up against this um, split, this fork in the road, where it's like, if we find life elsewhere outside of Earth, is that life going to be similar to the life that we have on Earth, or is it going to be totally different, right? Both of which are super interesting, because if they're different, it means that there are different ways that life can form um, independently. If they're similar, it means there's kind of one track, and this tends to be the way that life will form. Uh, it could also mean that, you know, um, it could support theories like the panspermia theory, which I know we've talked about on our old show, how much we right. love panspermia, right? This idea that, like, you know, these asteroids actually seeded life on Earth, which would be crazy, just absolutely crazy. Um, so, yeah, asteroids, super interesting, very relevant for, you know, life and philosophical questions. Like very that. cool. We also have a... A new mission heading towards asteroid Psyche, which is a very uh, metal-rich uh, 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 asteroid. Metal, but Med. everyone's a lot of articles that you can see online are saying uh, asteroid Psyche is like a hundred times wealthier than Elon Musk. Because it's so packed, supposedly packed full of precious metals, which I think is both interesting that it's packed full of precious metals and also a sad, sad representation of how we try to explain science to the general public. Psyche is so many elephants big and wealthier than Elon Musk. And it's, it's, he had a new one recently. Our friend over at the Jerusalem Post, Aaron Reich, had a, a new uh, article about an asteroid that will pass above safely above the Earth that is the size of 1,000 capybaras. Okay. Well, I can actually visualize 1,000 capybaras. So for me, that metric, that works. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. I can't visualize a capybara. <laughs> <laughs> Not even one. <laughs> well, I can see a picture of it. And I did do a top 10 list for science, actually. Check it out on my social media platform. Uh, that uh, that capybara is the number one largest rodent on the planet. So, huh. if anybody, a little, 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 little side and, you know, not science, not space science tidbit for you guys. Yeah. Interesting. That it's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. And so it was, was Psyche the mission that just launched, or they're just about to launch? They're just about to launch, I believe. Or, yes. And they're going to go to uh, Psyche, not to bring anything back, but I think to scan the, scan the asteroid and really um, whatever electronic 
knickknacks and doodads that are on board. They're going to uh, really probe deeply inside and see uh, how much of all these different uh, precious metals are actually in there. And basically, why does it have such a higher mass for its size than average asteroids do for that mm-hmm. size? Um, <clears throat> it's an M-type asteroid. And I wonder, does that mean M-type for asteroids means metal? And yep, that's what it means. I have a question, actually, for Mr. Astrophysicist. We have M-type asteroids and we have M-type stars. Do we have M-type planets and do we have M-type moons? I mean, this M-type thing, is this just like... Let's just, just throw it out there. Is, you guys you guys M-type stuff? How many M-type things? We have M-type nebulas and M-type supernovas. Uh-huh, come on. Or are those the only two M type things? I I think I think um, the best way to answer this question is with another question. Oh boy. Um, M, I mean M or, or or T or A. Any any letter has an abundance of meanings in physics, right? Like so, so like T can mean temperature. Obviously, it can mean uh, tension. Um, I mean, you can have just, <laughs> I mean, P, P can be pressure, but P can also be momentum because I guess it's per momentum. Like, I don't know, for some reason <laughs> it's a silent P. Um, I, I think the, the fundamental reason is that people just are bad at naming things and we only have a limited um english alphabet to use like half the time um we use greek letters but then we run out of those as well like alpha can you know be a type of particle it can also be an angle i i think that's like the 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 short answer is people come up with naming conventions because one person decides it's a good idea and then it sticks like you have the whole stellar classification system um for stars um which has a whole list of mnemonics um, that are used to remember them because there's no reasonable order and there's no actual reason, um, you know, these days for why we continue to use that classification. It's not alphabetized. It's just based on some historic reason. Um, are there M-class moons? Not to my knowledge, but I guess any moon is an M-class moon if you want to make bad jokes, which I guess is part of the theme of the show. Because... The letter M is in moon. Yes. Yes. Look at us over explaining jokes. I love it. <laughs> um, I, I feel like generally on, uh, you know, sci-fi shows uh, like Star Trek, when they talk about M-class planets, um, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's a specific classification in actual astrophysics or planetary science for an m-class planet i think it's more like you know that's that's probably likely to be derived from a planet around an m-class star um so like an m dwarf which is one of the most common you know brown dwarf um or cooler dwarf type stars that are around and so m dwarfs are the most common or one of the most common types of stars then Planets around M dwarfs would be M class planets, I guess. Maybe. Eh. I mean, it was eh. used to told me that this was an M class asteroid. That that I had not heard before. I 
it, I knew we were going to talk about asteroids today, so I just read a little bit about a bunch of different asteroids, and I caught my eye that <laughs> Psyche is an M-type asteroid, and I thought, wait a second, I know there are other M-type things, stars, I knew that, you brought up Star Trek, <laughs> say M-type planets a lot, but I didn't want to say that because that's fantasy. <laughs> But I was like, oh, I'll ask Kavi. He'll be thrilled to have this question. And he was. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Speaking of fantasy and things that are totally made up, uh, I think it's time for our ad break. Yeah, hey, let's do a commercial. Yes. Hey, Kavi. Yeah. You, 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 ever, you ever want fun and facts and science at the exact same time? You know what, Benjamin? I do. And quite I mean, often. I've gone out there. I've had fun and I've had science at the same time. I've gone out there and I've had facts and science at the same time. Oh, but boy. if ever there's a way I could go online and, and experience fun and facts and science at the same time, my, my, my day would be made. It, it would be great. It'd be great. Well, it's funny you should say that, Benjamin, because there yeah. is a place... On the no. interwebs, where no. you get fun and facts and science at the same time. You're blowing my guess. mind. <laughs> you will never guess what this magical place is called. What's it called, Coffee? Fun fact science. Fun fact science. What do I have to do? Literally nothing. How much is this going to cost me? Literally nothing. I can swing that. I think I can swing that. You can definitely budget for that. Yes, we are talking about fun fact science, which you can find on all of the good social media platforms and even the bad social media platforms. Um, <laughs> available now for the low, low cost of absolutely nothing. Of zero ninety nine or less. <laughs> we we need to find a, a real sponsor music out of control. But they're fun. We did rubber ducks, we did mystery product, and now we did fun fact science. These are great. We will continue to do rubber ducks. Rubber ducks will always, always be supported on this podcast. Yes. Rubber ducks <laughs> don't need to hide in shame. You have a home here, rubber ducks. <laughs> this is a safe space. Quack, quack. <laughs> this is a rubber duck friendly zone. <laughs> Uh, so, so back to the show. Back um, to asteroids and space and stuff. Um, one thing that came up last week in our discussion, um, I don't remember how exactly it came up, but um, one thing that, that we were discussing was a particular astronomer um, who I don't want to name because I don't want to... Um, I don't want to provide them with, with, with free advertising, but there's a particular mm -hmm. astronomer who's become well-known um, for promoting the idea that certain asteroids are evidence of alien life. Really? Yeah. Um, and so there, okay. are two, there, there are two cases, two, two famous cases. One that's kind of more ongoing now and one that has been ongoing for the past few years um, that I'm referring to. So the first is, yes, I know, right? Drama in the world of astrophysics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the first one is um, 
the case of Oumuamua. Um, oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, I know this one. <laughs> I know this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Oumuamua, which is which is uh, O U M U A M U A. So Oumuamua was this interstellar object that flew past the Earth. Um, you know, and we were able to track its trajectory to see, wow, it's coming in super fast. It looks like it's come in from outside the solar system and it looks mm -hmm. like it's swinging out, out of the solar system again. So those few measurements that we got when we noticed it very close to the earth and to the sun, um, that's it. That's all we got, a couple of measurements. And people lost their minds about it because mm -hmm. they're like, well, it's coming in so fast that it has to be coming in um, you know, not from the asteroid belt or, or not from the uh, uh, Kuiper belt or Oort cloud or these outer regions of our solar system. No, it's, it's falling in so fast that it's not just, you know, gravity pulling it in that's causing it to accelerate. It's, you know, coming from another solar system. Istum, Istum. Um, and the problem is, is that with so little data, people started to get a little bit too excited uh, with their theories of, of what was causing it. And there was one particular theory which suggested that um, it's fast velocity and uh, a slight increase in uh, or change in its acceleration as it approached the sun. Um, and also its shape, which you can kind of estimate certain characteristics of its shape from how its light was changing and those few measurements that we got. Um, all of those things were leading to people saying, uh, okay, so it's like a weird elongated shape coming through really fast. And then right. uh, one particular group took the step of saying, aha, you know what? It must be an alien spaceship. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you're pointing at yourself. I don't think you're an alien spaceship. No, you're, you're, I was pointing at you and throat saying kind of sign language, which I don't speak because your voice is cutting in now. <laughs> Oh, my voice was cutting in and out. Ah, sorry. Yeah. I will okay. be closer to the microphone from now on. I guess we'll get those winning lottery numbers later. Yes. Um, but Back yeah. to Oumuamua, Oumuamua, Yes. So, so basically, Oumuamua um, has had this whole back and forth. This one particular astronomer has been you know, going out on a limb saying, no, it's an alien... Uh, it's, a, it's a part of an alien spaceship or an alien light sail, which is um, a theoretical technology that uh, accelerates using light or photons um, mm -hmm. in the same way that a, a wind sail on a ship accelerates due to air particles and wind. Um, and it's basically been this one person against the entire astronomical community, and it's led to some pretty um, frustrating exchanges. Um, because at the end of the day, um, this person who is um, a smart person, an astronomer, an astrophysicist with, you know, all the credentials. Um, like you. I, I, <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I want to I be respectful. Absolutely. Also calling this out for what it is. Like, this is a person who, um, you know, has, has spent decades in the in astrophysics right but this is the thing so you were asking me before about you know m-class asteroids and i know nothing about that because 
I work on radio astronomy and I work on radio stars and supernovae. And, you know, I have some general knowledge about astrophysics and physics and astronomy, but my area of expertise is this one niche topic. And this particular person as well um, worked on high energy astrophysics and, and astrophysics around black holes. And, you know, as smart as they are slash were, um, planetary science and asteroid science was absolutely not something they worked on. And and yet they have decided that they know better than all of that community and all of those people who work on that topic. Um, and it's just been kind of frustrating to see how, you know, all of the actual experts in that field keep saying, well, that's an interesting idea, but the facts don't point that way. That's a fun idea, but the facts don't point that way. We'd love for that right. to be true. However, no. Um, and then the frustrating thing has been to kind of see how rather than accepting that humbly and saying, you know, you're right, I should leave it to people in the field or I should collaborate with them. This person has just said, no, you just don't want to believe. <laughs> and it's frustrating, right? Yeah, I like, can imagine. All of us, pretty much every astronomer um, that I know would love to find evidence of alien life. Absolutely. But, Who wouldn't? Sure. It has to be, well, I mean, the creationists probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so so that's an asteroid that has you know much ado about maybe not nothing but not much right um, and the second case was a similar thing with the same person basically taking an asteroid that uh did same actually uh, same person same person who will remain nameless um doing basically the same thing where an asteroid did come to earth um, and break apart in the atmosphere and burn up into a bunch of little pieces and those pieces hit the ocean and this person went um, to Papua New Guinea to search the seabed without the permission of the local authorities, dug up a bunch of small metal spheres from the uh, ocean floor and said, hey, these tiny metal spheres proof. are proof. Proof, uh, look. It was alien technology that burnt up. And again, the experts have said, nah, bro, like that's not, <laughs> that's so not a... this guy's proof for <laughs> interstellar traveling alien species is that they can rocket through our solar system in a very awkward, tumbly kind of way <laughs> for no rhyme or reason, or right. <laughs> they just crash. <laughs> they figured out how to get to Earth, but not the landing part. Okay, yeah, I buy it. They're not sending us out their best. They're sending us their worst. We figured out how to get to another planet. All right, let's land on it. What? <laughs> you just said get here. <laughs> Wait, we didn't even think that we'd make it to another planet. We didn't think to put brakes. <laughs> oh. It's frustrating. Uh. Yes, and, I can like, imagine. Like astronomers are very bad at keeping secrets. Like when when there is evidence of aliens and it's good evidence, it's like you you will not have to be looking around in conspiracy world to find that evidence. Like go go on social media, go onto like blue sky and look at the astronomers and what they're tweeting and like everyone will be talking about it. Immediately. Like no right. yeah. <laughs> None of this uh, conspiracy stuff. I think the no. worst part 
if I can if I can make one more complaint about this particular person, please do. I'm, I'm done. I swear. I'm sorry. I had to vent. No, because you know, like as like the only astronomer, <laughs> like the only astronomer in in you know the the lives of my family and most of my friends. Um, I often like they'll hear about this stuff because this stuff gets media attention, right? Mm -hmm. When you say clickbaity things, you get clicks. Um, and so people were, you know, giving this attention in the media. Um, and this person has the credentials to be believed in the media, despite everything that we've discussed. Um, <laughs> and, and so the worst part is uh, that this person you know, did some public talk that was in collaboration with SETI, the organization, the search for extraterrestrial uh, intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, and SETI has been, you know, basically working on this for like the better part of a century, right? Working on finding radio signals of aliens. And, I you did know, not know that SETI was around that long. I mean, maybe wow. I'm rounding up, but but I'm, I'm pretty Still? sure SETI has been around since the 60s, um, 70s. Yeah. Um, like in one form or, or another, um, looking for radio signals for alien life, or looking for you know chemical signatures in 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 other astronomical data, the you know listening for communications and and this this person gave a talk that was attended by a bunch of SETI people, including Jill Tata, and Jill Tata. Um, is an incredible astronomer and, and she has spent most of her life working at SETI searching for aliens. And this dude, this nameless astronomer, um, <laughs> or when, when Jill Tata pushed back a little bit on his claims of, um, you know, finding aliens or evidence of aliens, and he turned around and said, no, you just, you just don't want to believe that aliens are real. It's like, Bro, look who you're talking to. You're talking to people who are searching for them and want more than anyone else to believe. And they just want the little bit of proof that it's, that's it. And that's the one thing that's not being provided. Yeah. So, so this is related to asteroids because there are these two examples of asteroids that, um, you know, some people are claiming, like one or two people are claiming, represent right. proof of alien life. Um overwhelming majority of the community and experts in the science that's being used to make these claims say no. Um, however, asteroids are a great place to look for signs of alien life. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you think we can mine asteroids for goodies or is it not, it's simply not worth the effort of going all the way out there to get a little bit of gold and bring it back when we can just dig up what we have here? <laughs> I think... It's I not think cost it's a really effective yet. Yeah, it's it's not cost effective yet. It's also not fuel efficient. Like nope. you know, one of the one of the big issues that people bring up when it comes to um, you know more environmentally friendly technologies is that those technologies utilize um, metals that are incredibly expensive and not climate friendly to mine. So I think when we can figure out a way of mining these metals from asteroids and doing so in a way that's cost effective and that is you know better for the environment as well definitely there's, there's there's a future there i think so i love it and after all that complaining we can end after up all that complaining. 
about an asteroid that crashed into Papua New Guinea and Oumuamuamu. I mean, harking so, back to the M type thing when Kavi said yes. that everything's M type because we're running out of letters to name things. Uh, Oumuamuamua is a is a is a, is, a, is, a, is that it got its name because of precisely that everything in our solar system that we found is named after Roman gods, and when we ran out of those, Greek gods, and then when they ran out of those, Viking gods, and Amuamua Shakespeare is named characters. after Shakespearean characters. And Sorry. <laughs> as you run out of characters, they now are starting to use Hawaiian gods, and that's how Amuamua got its name. In case you're wondering, does that sound Hawaiian? It's kind of weird. Yes. I, I think that's also really good, um, you know, something to be kind of harking back to... Um, maybe not Western cultures, um, you know, names for astronomical objects, right? So like the, um, the Magellanic clouds, for example, mm-hmm. you know, named for Magellan, uh, what is it? Right. Spanish, Portuguese, crap, I can't remember now. Um, <laughs> a European explorer. Um, yet the Magellanic pl- uh, clouds were a, you know, important part of uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, the, you know, indigenous Australian um, astronomical uh, folklore and stories and, and culture for tens of thousands of years before Magellan was even born. So I do, I do like the idea of using more traditional names uh, right. for astronomical objects. And let's round out this episode of Asteroids by my four favorite asteroids. These are their actual names. Four in a row. John, Paul, George. And that's right, guys. There are beetle asteroids out there. Four asteroids moving in a row together. They're all similar inside, and they're all actually given the names John, Paul, George, and Ringo, which is a nice traditional name. I had no idea. <laughs> you did not know? Yes, it is true. Know, you can look it up. Great. I haven't known that one for a while. <laughs> well, all the things that sticks in my head. Out of oh, I love that. The family budget. Nope. But there's four asteroids called John, Paul, George, and Ringo. <clears throat> and Ringo's the stupid one of the asteroids. <laughs> do you know that that quote when the, the, the Beatles were being interviewed? This has nothing to do with anything um, space related. <laughs> but they were, they were interviewing uh, the Beatles and they asked them if they thought. Um, they asked John Lennon do you think the Ringo Starr is the best drummer in the world and he says I don't even think he's the best drummer in the Beatles <laughs> love it but yes let's end there let's end there talking about the Beatles yes um, thank you everyone uh, who has been listening to this episode of uh, the Nerd and the Scientist, presented by Science Actually. Uh, where can they find you, Benjamin? Ah, hello. <laughs> I am Benjamin Salas. <laughs> you might know me from such social media networks as Blue Sky, TikTok, Threads, Mastodon, Hive, the social media network formerly known as Twitter. LinkedIn, and of course, Facebook. Science actually is the name, and we are on all of those. So seek us out 
and have fun and learn sciencey things and share them with your friends. Hey, Kavi. How about you, pal? Come on, Kavs. Hey, Kavs. Uh, uh, as you might have picked up from our lovely uh, unsponsored ad segment in the middle of the show, um, you can find me at Fun Fact Science on all of the time wasters that Benjamin mentioned and maybe a couple more that I made an account for and then totally forgot about. Um, yeah. So all the social media platforms, all those places. And yeah, you can find us there. Check out our episodes. Uh, comment, comment positive things. Um, and uh, let us know what you're uh, keen to hear more of in our future episodes. Pretty sure it's more Beatles trivia. We'll, we'll find out future. if you guys just comment and let us know what you like. All right. And we'll see you next time. Later, gang. Thanks for tuning in. I cannot believe it. You're still here. A full half an hour of listening to Kaibi and Benjamin bumbling through an episode about asteroids, a nameless astrophysicist and the Beatles, and you're still here. Fascinating. <laughs>